Be the right club today. Yes! Okay, everyone, welcome to episode 11, season two of Be the Right Club Today podcast. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the PGA Championship, uh, Ryder Cup, and a few more things like that. I'm joined today by <coughs> Jamie, other Jamie, Jamie Marshall, and Hal is here. How are you guys doing? Hal, how's things? Things are good. Jamie? I'm doing well. Doing, doing well? well. Excited to be back on the podcast. <laughs> it's been a few episodes. When I was know. the last one with Tim? Yeah, with Tim. Short game. Yeah. I think, uh, I think everyone enjoyed that one. So, yeah, it's nice to have you back. Thank you. Sometimes it's nice to get your opinion, sometimes not so much. Sometimes not so much. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah. If y'all can't tell, we have a good time in here. Uh, so. Yeah, we give each other a hard time. So, um, Hal, what was your thoughts on the PGA last week? Uh, well, I think it was inevitable before one of the live players ended up winning one of the majors. Uh, you know, we, we know they're filled with a lot of really good players, and... Uh, Kepka played great, uh, deserved to win, uh, almost won the Masters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was coming. Yep. Jamie, what do you think about last week? I thought it was obviously a great tournament, exciting finish. Um, yeah, I mean, Kepka's definitely got his game back. Definitely his body, you can tell his body's feeling good again. Um, yep. And when he, I mean, when he's on, it's it's pretty good. And it's fifth major now. You got more, more one more than Rory now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just and uh, just I took a lot away from like just the mentality he has. You know, yeah, he's just such a bull. Like he's just such a bulldog. You know, he just keeps his head down and does his thing. He's he's tough to beat when he's on. Yeah, what do you think about his mentality? How like why is he so good in the majors? Well, I think he won't. He's keeps his head down wants to win he's a bulldog he has a mission he's on the mission mm-hmm. he doesn't allow anything to deter that mission basically mm-hmm. and you know I'm not gonna lie he rubbed me wrong to begin with you know uh, yeah. he uh, he acted like he didn't care mm-hmm. you know in some ways off of the golf course and when he talked to the media you know it's like nothing matters except this mm-hmm. and you know, the whole lip thing. I mean, I'm going to dive into this whole thing. You know, it, it really rubbed me wrong. I spent 25 years out there walking the fairways, building the PGA Tour. I spent six years on the policy board. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a major investment of my life into that, mm-hmm. as did many others. You know, and all of a sudden something new comes along and says, hey, we may hurt y'all. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, immediately taken back by that. You know, and anybody that went that direction, uh, you know, rubbed me wrong too, basically. But I tell you, after I've reflected, I mean, one of the things that I really wanted to talk about today is, you know, I I turned 65 last month, in case everybody didn't know. (laughs) And let me tell you what happens. Uh, I'm dealing, my dad's 90, my mother's 88, and they're struggling, you know. And... uh, Y'all both are in your 30s. And let me tell you what matters when you're in 30s. You're building your career. Money matters because that's what makes everything else happen. And that's pretty true of everybody across the board. Uh, 
but as you begin to age, and certainly 65 is aged, uh, money's not everything. And, you know, there are a lot of other things that are important. And there are a lot of other things that are important even when you're in your 30s, but you don't have time to really focus on that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm in a stage in my life right now where I don't, I mean, my parents have become the children and I'm them, you know. I used to depend on them and now they depend on us, my sisters and I. And, you know, I'm, I'm saying all this out there for parents and kids, you know, what seems like is really important and a must do. And, you know, I can't tell you all how many nights my dad and, had, and I had conversations before I ever turned pro about it's do or die. You know, you got to fess up right now. Y'all probably had some of these same things <laughs> with your parents. And, you know, it wasn't really as big a deal as we made it at that time. And I see that now, but I never saw it then. And I guess this is a long way around me saying the players on the live are there and the majors have made their decisions. They're part of it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to figure out how to get along going forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so this brings up the whole Ryder Cup thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Brooks Kepka, does he deserve to be on the Ryder Cup team? Absolutely. He does, mm-hmm. and let's and Jamie, let's get you involved in this conversation. Uh, the European Tour has been dependent on Americanized players to play for the Ryder Cup because they've been over here playing. Mm-hmm. So basically, they've dealt with this prior to this. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of the, the DP World Tour, historically, the best players from that have gravitated to the PGA Tour, right? Because yeah money the biggest tournaments are over here um not everyone like there's some guys like a nicholas colsarts or uh, thomas peters have maybe decided they like europe better but most of the big guys come over here so the european tour or dp world tour because i think they have the, the european side of the Ryder cup they've always kind of had that battle how do we get um how do we get our biggest players to still have some involvement with the European Tour and they put in stipulations like you have to have so many appearances to be mm-hmm. eligible for the Ryder Cup so you know that the European DP World Tour they've um, they've always been fighting that battle of dealing with other tours taking their players <laughs> um, and now it's kind of the live tour now is the new thing on the scene but I don't think it's as big an issue for the Europeans as it is the Americans because there's not that many like a lot of the Europeans that were involved in the Ryder Cup who have went to live, they probably wouldn't have qualified for the team anyway. Guys like Westwood, Poulter. I mean, Garcia just qualified Garcia. for the US Open, so maybe yeah. he could still be involved. But it's a kind of a shame to lose that generation involvement for them being captains and stuff like that. But I guess for them, they, when they made that decision to go to live, uh, that was coming. Yeah. Well, I don't know what y'all think, but... It, when I was younger, I really wanted to listen to the people that had already walked the path that I was about to walk. And, you know, I've got young kids. My oldest daughter's 26 years old, so I understand the way the youth think in America right now. Uh, they don't really care so much about the people that have walked in their path. They're like just, you know, um, 
this is uncharted territory and I'll figure it out as I go, so mm -hmm. to speak, you know. Uh, I mean, even the music has changed. I hate to do this, but, you know, <laughs> back in my day, our music, you could understand the lyrics. Actually, the lyrics actually gave you a message. I mean, you can't understand the lyrics in music today, you know. And uh, I, I, the world is changing. That's my point. And, you know, I guess I could not change and just be mad. <laughs> and I don't want to be that way, you know. Mm -hmm. I think... Uh, embrace change the best we can you know I think the mm -hmm. tour I mean one of the things that I was going to bring up a second ago and I lost my track here is for those of you that don't know the, the Ryder Cup feels like it's USA versus Europe and it feels like the tour against European tour it's not it's the PGA of America against the PGA European PGA and they comprise, they're comprised of players from their countries that are the best, that they have the best records, mm -hmm. which is predominantly PGA Tour players and European players. But doesn't have to be, and obviously Liv has changed that. Mm -hmm. And I uh, just, the, you know, even watching the telecast, there is bantering back and forth knocking live or whatever else and i just i think we've got to get past that a little bit and mm -hmm. i think for golf's sake we got to figure out how to go forward with the best players regardless of where they play mm -hmm. yeah what do you think i think i think some of the players are feeling the way you're feeling too i think you could see that on some of the pga coverage with like um you know, Rory and Kepka after in the parking lot, giving a hug to each other, say, I'll talk to you later, or I'll give you a call later on. Like, I, I think the players are getting to the point that you were just talking about. It's like, hey, this is what it is. You know, they, I mean, a lot of those guys were friends, you know, <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. I mean, I know, and I saw the, a lot of the interviews with Luke Donald and Zach Johnson asking about, you know, Shh, are you going to put them on your team? You know, and I guess they're leaving it up to their decision, if I'm correct, the captain's decision to put them on the team or not, because a lot of them won't earn enough points to make the team. <clears throat> yeah. But now, like, like Kepka said in his interview, you know, if I go, if I go second, first, first, second in majors, you know, he's like, I'm gonna make it tough on Zach. Yeah. But like, I I agree with you. I mean, he's very deserving. I think the Ryder Cup, at least USA perspective, you want to put the best guys you got on your team and mm -hmm. he's one of them i mean well having been one of those captains <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think that's really a mistake to put all the onus on zach yeah, yeah. because i mean he's put in the middle i mean right. he's not getting paid anything to do this mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you know he's got to make a decision to either leave somebody out or not leave somebody out like that yeah. i mean it looked like okay zach made that decision so he personally doesn't like me right mm -hmm. and that's not right to do mm -hmm. a captain that way and i think if the pga of america is listening don't put him in that situation mm -hmm. i mean be a man about it and step up and and say something mm -hmm. because I, it's just not fair to put a captain in that situation. No, no. yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I think it's time that everybody came together. Let's, let's, you know, Augusta is always going to be Augusta. It's always going to be the Masters, and we don't need this conflict going on 
as a fan, I mean, I used to be a player. I'm a fan now, and I'm looking at it from a different perspective. I have, I have knowledge. I'm not just a fan. I've been there, and I don't want it to be uh, suppressed with all this stuff yeah. around it. I'd rather, okay, we've got a plan. We know what we're doing going forward, and I can get excited about the majors. You know, everybody's going to be there that's supposed to be there. You know, mm -hmm. instead of, oh, man, there's 10 players over here that really should be there, but they're not. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's... So how does that make a kid feel? If we don't come together, you know, let's say a 20-year-old kid that's got all kinds of talent, and he's got to make a decision because he can't uh, play in certain tournaments if he goes this direction. Mm -hmm. I just... I think we got to get together. That's mm -hmm. my main message. That's why we're coming to you like we are today. <laughs> I mean, if y'all care what I think, I think we need to come together. Yeah. I think the the writer couple make a huge mistake if there's they exclude like someone like Kepka because it's really going to like ruin the credibility a little bit of the tournament because you want the best player from each continent. Yeah. Playing against each other, and I think it'd be a huge event. If guys like Kepka are involved or DJ, or it depends how DJ plays and all that. But mm -hmm. I think it's really important for that event to include everyone, include the best players. And Scotty Scheffler came out after the PGA and he said, "We want the best team we can because uh, yeah. they want to beat Europe in uh, Europe. In Europe, that's the goal right now. Because it since like it's been a while, early nineties, um, right?" That's the big talk about the US team, about how good they are, but they haven't yet won over there. So mm -hmm. I'm hoping they don't. But, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Scheffler wants the uh, the best team out there, so he's he's clearly on board of having guys like Capcom. Well, I didn't hear it, but I think Faxon and uh, Brandel Chambly got into it on TV a little bit yeah. back mm -hmm. and forth, you know, and Brandel took his usual position. And, you know, I'm not talking against Brandel or for Brandel. I mean, Brandel and I are friends. But uh, I think, you know, Brandle was anti-Liv, mm -hmm. and Brad was building the case that we're kind of building right now that, you know, we got to figure out a way to make this work mm -hmm. because it's not going to change. Right. And um, I think we got to get less angry about what's happened. And, yeah. I mean, I admitted I was angry about it to begin with. I felt like I had been shunned for all what we'd done prior to that. You know, I mean, imagine being Nicholas and Palmer and Trevino and Raymond Floyd and all those guys that created, they were the foundation of this whole yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. And um, imagine how they feel, you know, and, and then, you know, as a policy board member for six years, where did the tour come up with all this money that they got now all of a sudden to do this? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm saying this, I don't have any idea. And I don't know. I just think we got to get past all this and let's get excited about the Ryder Cup mm -hmm. yeah. because the best players are there. The uh, the PGA last week, Hal, the setup at Oak Hill. A lot of people were saying it was kind of like a like a more, leaning more towards a U.S. Open setup. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, back when you were playing majors and whatnot, did. Did each major have the same kind of identity it does now? Or what was the PGA's identity back then? Did it have an identity? Was it like a little harder than a tour event? Or what was oh, the yeah, setup it was like? harder than a tour event. Yeah. 
Kerry Haig sets up the PGA uh, all the time. He works for the PGA of America. Uh, he does an incredible job. Very savvy guy. Mm-hmm. Understands the game. You know, in there's a lot of people in positions that they need to understand the game at a very deep level, and some of them don't understand it deeply as they need to understand it. Kerry is not one of those people. He really has a a really good handle on the game. Mm-hmm. He knows what's fair, and he knows what's unfair. Mm-hmm. And, and he's pushing the edge, mm-hmm. which is what a major is supposed to do. And, Absolutely. you know, seldomly have I ever seen Kerry go across the line. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I've seen U.S. Opens. I've seen other things go across the line. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kerry is a professional at what he does. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, I mean, this is not a knock against the USGA, but they're, you know, deep-seated amateurs that play the game at a local level, but they don't quite understand it at the highest level in the world. And... Uh, the tour understands that because they set the golf courses up every day. Mm-hmm. And Kerry understands that. But sometimes, I mean, I've seen the USGA get, oh, they cross the line occasionally. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, as you and I talked about earlier, competition teaches us many things. That's why I talk to y'all about playing golf. Mm-hmm. You can't quit playing golf because you quit understanding the game. Mm-hmm. And I hope everybody out there just heard what I just said. In order to stay sharp, you have to compete. Mm-hmm. Competition teaches you many things. The game is one thing. The swing is one thing. Competition is another thing. And, I mean, you know, I'm building Darmore right now. And, you know, <clears throat> one of the things that is really important to me is that I make people be responsible off the tee. So I'm thinking about it as a really good player and I'm thinking about it as an amateur player. I want the really good player to have to be more responsible than the average player. Mm -hmm. So wherever the trouble is at out there, I want to create the right vision, the right look so that the really best player has a decision to make. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got five par fives out there. One of the big things is, is uh, do I want all five of them to be reachable by the longest players in the game? Not necessarily. I don't. You know, there are three shot par fives. Mm-hmm. That's part of the game, folks. I mean, we can't just open the doors because you're the longest player in the world. <laughs> There's a lot more to the game than that. And that was a big argument yesterday. (laughs) And, you know, uh, sometimes, I mean, let me stop. I've said this on here before. Jack Nicklaus, the greatest player in the world, hit more three woods than anybody I saw off the tee. There's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. He managed his golf game. There's less management in the game today Mm -hmm. than there ever has been. You agree with that, don't you? Yeah. I was going to bring up the PGA setup earlier, um, maybe going off a little off track, but the one thing that watching the tournament this weekend, it kind of gave me like that 
that Beth Page feel back at the US Open, right? Um, just with the length, right? I felt like before every, anybody put a tee in the ground on Thursday, you're already knocking out like 50% of the field. And this could be, you know, going down that golf ball road again, talking about that, but it was so long. Yes, it, there was an emphasis on accuracy, but if you look at the top 30, I think, on the leaderboard, there was maybe three to five guys that were below average distance. That's it. Like, all of them were above average ball speed guys. Mm -hmm. Like, just bombers. So, I, I don't personally enjoy that when I feel like the course is set up. Right off the bat, you're knocking, like, half the field out of contention. I just remember back to that Beth Page US Open. I remember, like, Kisner, Kevin Na specifically, two of the shorter guys back then on tour. But they were t both top 30, 40 in the world at the time. I just remember their interviews before that U.S. Open. They were like, no chance. I got no chance. You know, I'm hitting hybrids into par fours. And I got a little bit of that feel this week at Oak Hill. I think the setup was awesome. It looked great. I mean, it just I just don't like the length, right? But the ball, like, everything's all about bomb it, gouge it, right? So and I just felt that a little bit there. I agree with you 100%, but there's a contingency in the world that thinks everybody ought to have to hit a driver. Yeah. yeah. And I don't agree with that. I mean, I can tell you many times that I hit three wood off of par fives because it gave me the best percentage to make birdie. Mm -hmm. You know, and let me tell you something. Let me tell you what would change everybody's thinking. If you had to make put food on the table <laughs> from what you did on the golf course, you'd start changing your thinking around. But see, most people are not putting food on the table for... That's right. Uh, <laughs> they're not making a living not doing this. Living, it yeah. changed my whole strategy about playing golf the minute I had to start making a living doing this. And I just... Driver is one of 14 clubs. Mm -hmm. We need to hit them all. And that's one of my goals at Darmore is to make sure that all the clubs are used out there not just one of them uh you know I, this takes me back here you know i get to use everything that i've learned in uh, life at 65. i didn't use everything that i knew when i was younger i only knew used part of it <coughs> and uh, it's really cool i mean I, where i'm at in my life um, basically, I know I'm spending, uh, let me see if I can talk about this without getting emotional about it, you know, time is precious with my parents, the people that led me to be the person that I am. And <clears throat> I'm looking at life way different. So how can I have an impact with what I know on the future? With what I know. And I don't know a lot, but I know quite a bit about one thing. Yeah. And, you know, and then I look back at my life and I was fortunate enough to be able to spend time around Byron Nelson and a little bit of, I mean, I spent more time around Ben Hogan than I did Byron Nelson, but Ben Hogan didn't have nearly the effect on me because he didn't want to, that Byron did. And... uh you know, I, I was like a sponge. I spent a lot of time with Jackie Burke. And 
these people were much older than me and I knew they had already walked the path that I wanted to walk. So please tell me everything you know that you think will benefit me. I don't see anybody asking those kind of questions anymore. People that walk, I'll get there and I'll handle it when I get there. That's the attitude now. Well, let me tell you, for those of you that have that attitude, you'll be better if you take a little advice from somebody that's been there. You will be better. The end product, if you can use what people that have walked before you, if you can use what they know, plus your tenacious attitude of, I got it, you'll be a reckoning force. And, you know, I just think that... I mean, I've had enough time in here. Three years I've been watching kids come in here and parents come in here and how much they think they know versus how much they really know. And trust me, y'all already know which side that would land on. <laughs> and, you know, I, I've learned that I can get closer to where I want to be through a question than I can the answer. Mm -hmm. And the answer is in the question, not in the answer. And uh, I don't know. I, it's time to change in golf. It's time for us all to make a change. I hope the PGA Tour makes that change. I have no influence on it anymore. <laughs> I mean, the, I'm, I'm doing the only thing that I can do to influence it is, and that's talk publicly about it right now and you know i've done all the talking i'd really like for y'all to come up and talk so uh you know i love the game i took from the game i'm making an investment back into the game uh that's what happens in life you know y'all are in a part right now where if you can take something from it you will because it's what you know and then you will continue to put back into the game. And let's keep doing that. Yeah. Um, some strong words there, Hal. <laughs> um, what, um, what do you think is the best? Like, I asked you this earlier, like, because you talked a lot about how you would approach those who lived the life you were wanting to live. Um, do you think that was everyone back then, or were you just, like different to the rest of the kids back then um you know what i'm saying That's, yeah i yeah. know exactly what you're saying <laughs> i do think i was different but i mentioned my parents my parents taught me the values they taught me the importance of history you know history will repeat itself if you don't learn from history i hope everybody heard what i just said history will repeat itself if you don't learn from history my dad put that on me at an early age and I'm trying so the only way that I can carve my path is if I learn from those that went in front of me mm -hmm. and carve a different path I can tell you right now Tiger Woods learned from who went before him mm -hmm. and and he carved his own path uh, you know Seve let's go back to Seve Seve learned from the people that came in front of him mm -hmm. uh, Seve taught the other Spaniards I don't care what anybody says. I mean, and they valued what Sefi had learned. Mm -hmm. You know, let me tell you, the first time I played with Jack Nicholas, I mean, he was my idol. I mean, I'm taking in, in fact, I'm taking in everything he's doing 
in a U.S. Open. I'm playing with him and Hale Irwin at Marion, and I'm taking in everything they're doing, and I'm not even playing golf. I find I'm six over after the first seven holes. <laughs> six over after the first seven holes. Intimidated, everything. Ended up shooting one under from there in. Almost made the cut. Missed the cut by one. But I just wasn't playing my game. I was trying to learn from them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Nicholas actually said to me, he said, Hal, you just need to calm down and play your game. You're, mm-hmm. you're not playing your game. You know how valuable that was that he actually took the time to tell me, hey, you just settle down and play your game. Mm-hmm. He was actually leading after two rounds. So, you know, it was fun playing with him. David Graham went on and won the golf tournament, but that was a long time ago. That was way before y'all. <laughs> y'all weren't even born at that time, I don't think. But anyway, I mean, one of the great rounds of, I mean, he hit 18 fairways and 18 greens, David Graham did, to win the tournament. Where was that? Marion. Marion. Yeah, mm-hmm. final round. Uh, I don't think there were a lot of people that thought that way, but here's what I'm going to say. There were more than there are now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very few now. There's very few now that... I agree. <clears throat> you look at a guy like John Rahm. That's an example of a guy that's very into history of golf. Yeah. Learned from Seve, Jose Maria. Like, he was walking with Jose Maria at the, the Masters this year every day. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. like, picking his brain. You know, what do I do on if I'm in this position on this hole? And all this stuff. Around mm-hmm. the greens there. Sergio. Like, But, like you said, those Spaniards, they're, like, really tight-knit, but... Rom's a good example of a guy that I think really takes a lot from history and it makes him better. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, we talk about that all the time, Jamie. Like mm-hmm. kids, kids these days, you know, they, they think that they know or they think they might know um, and they just kind of do their thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're really not, they, I guess it's just the mindset. They don't have that thought ever in their brain to think like, hey, you know, maybe I need to ask this great player that I know what they what they think about when they play, What you know, all kinds of things. But, I, yeah, I don't see that much anymore. You know, there's a, there was a part of me, I wasn't insecure about what I didn't know. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew I didn't know a lot of things. So it wasn't an insult to me mm-hmm. for some great player to say, "How you need to get better at this." Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I need to get better at whatever I need to get better at. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, I think there's a certain amount of insecurity in the world right yeah. now that says, "You know, I don't. I'm, I'm gonna sweep this under the rug and hope nobody notices." Mm-hmm. I mean, I whatever was under the rug, I wanted it. <sighs> I wanted to fix it. Yeah, yeah, and. You know, nothing was off the table with me. I mean, I can't tell you how many times Jackie Burke hurt my feelings about mm-hmm. what he said, you know. But the truth is the truth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nobody really wants to talk about the truth anymore. Everybody wants to, uh, let's not, uh-uh, let's not yeah. talk about that. And, you know, the truth hurts, but the truth makes you better. Mm-hmm. Do you think you could ever have too much of looking at other people like your example playing with Jack at the US Open and you know you got off to a bad start because you were so you know you were so worried about what they were doing what in learning right I found myself that way when I played I didn't play it on the PJ Tour like you but 
you know, when I was playing PJ Tour Canada and some web.com events, I was very much like that always as a golfer. I like to learn from like my peers, see what other people did, but I felt like I sometimes almost did it to a fault where it actually hurt me because I got out of my bo bubble, right? And then I couldn't really play my game because I was too concerned about what I was seeing around me. So I got an early lesson, 22 years old, in the biggest arena that you can be put in, and I got embarrassed to no end. You learn from that. <laughs> yeah. So quickly I reevaluated and said, look, never again will I get caught in this. Practice rounds are for learning. Mm -hmm. Tournament rounds are for me to showcase what I've got. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that goes back to putting food on the table. Yeah. I mean, it didn't take me long. If I was going to have a career in this, these are the perimeters. These are the rules. These are the things that I have to be aware of weekly. Not only weekly, but daily. And... You know, I lived 25 years that way. You know, I'll give you all some things to think about. I was in a different hotel room every night. I left a light on in the bathroom so that I didn't break a toe going to the bathroom thinking that I was last week's hotel room instead of this week's. I mean, y'all have no idea what living that kind of life is like. I mean, Nick Price broke his toe that way one time. And, you know, it's just you forget where you're at. You're so involved in what you're trying to do that it's just, <laughs> it's overwhelming. It takes your life over. And that's why you get focused on one thing and mm -hmm. you don't take in all the rest. That was all that was important to me at that time. And boy, did I miss a lot. I could have done it if I would have allowed myself to take all that in, but my dad didn't teach me that way. He taught me to be focused I mean, that was his biggest word. You're not focused. He would tell me that all the time. You're not focused. Well, no one can be focused 100% of the time. And I'm of the opinion now, nor should they be. Nor should they be. Now, my dad wouldn't believe that. But I think I'm a... You know, I love my dad, and he's the best I could possibly have. I'm a little bit better version of him because I've matured to understand more. I would tell my kids, you don't have to be focused 100% of the time. You should take a vacation every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't take vacations because I had to stay focused. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. This makes yeah. sense to you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think it does for anybody that chased that dream. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, there's a lot of people listening out there that I think have aspirations of chasing that dream. And I think you need to befriend somebody that walked that road before mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. and listen to them because there's a lot to it. And I can promise you, if you're a young man or woman, your parents don't know about that. They know about a lot of other things unless they were a professional golfer. I'll give you an example, Eric Cole. Mm -hmm. yep. Both his parents played. I'm pulling for him in a big sort of way because he's got an advantage. Mm -hmm. I mean, he had both of his parents that played that way. And very seldomly does a, an offspring yep. come up and be as good as he is. Mm -hmm. I mean, class act, uh, you know, that's a storyline right there in mm -hmm. itself. 
Yeah. He's a guy that. Uh, how old's Eric Cole? Is he uh, like thirty? Got to be thirty, mid thirties. Mid thirties. Yeah. He's a guy that grinded a long, long time. He's like time. mini tour legend. Yeah. Won tons of times on the mini tours. And to to still grind at it for that long into mm-hmm. your mid thirties is pretty. I know I couldn't do it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this: I played my best golf after I got into my mid and late thirties. Yeah. Played my smartest golf mm-hmm. then, so that's not too late. Yeah. The problem is, is that so many people make it earlier than that. You think, man, I'm running out of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, anyway. Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty cool to see him week in, week out, PGA Tour now. Yeah. Right? He played well at the PGA. Yeah. Made the cut. Yeah. 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 How about, uh, you know, this is a storyline that's been talked about and, uh, non-stop, but Michael Block, um, the PGA Pro at the championship, man, uh, that was, that was, I was saying to guys yesterday that I was playing with, I was like, if you, if you wrote a script for Hollywood about, about a story, about a PGA Pro, yeah, perfect, qualifying for the PGA, making the cut, now he's playing with Rory on a Sunday. Then he makes a hole in one. The, the movie studios would be like, "That's not realistic. It's too, it's too far fetched." Yeah. But that was amazing. Huh? Yeah. Well, I, one of the best parts of it was the excitement that Rory showed. Yeah. You know, one of the best players in the world, and he's actually paying attention to what he's doing. Yeah. Block's doing. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I thought that was. There were storylines within storylines at the PGA yeah. this year. Yeah. And that thought, made yeah. for exciting TV. I yeah. thought it was really good good championship to watch. Um, yeah. It really was, was. Yeah. And that's Michael Block. I think he's playing a couple of PGA Tour events now. So This week. And he's already qualified for next year. I know. That's PGA amazing. Yeah, yeah. I know. That's so good for him. Yeah. But, no, nah, that's cool. So, Brooks Kepka, five, five major wins. Mm-hmm. So, there are one, two, three, four, five other guys. Can you name them? Who had five majors? A little quiz time on the podcast. Five other guys. I think. Are at five majors. Yeah. He was all, all time. Yeah. Nicholas. Uh, sorry. Who has five? Five. Oh, five only. exactly. Yeah. Five. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Sevy. He had five. Um, Peter Thompson. I think only one open. Peter Thompson. Australian hmm. legend. Uh, J.H. Taylor, Byron Nelson, five majors, James Braid, some hefty company that Keck was joining us. Yeah. yeah. He, he'll win more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He will win more. How many do you think he'll get? A couple more? Yes. Yeah. I think so. What's LACC like for him? Is that, is that Will that be a similar setup to like an Oak Hill for the US Open this year? I have not played yeah. LA. Got so I, I don't not, know much about it. I don't yeah. know much about yeah. it. If Brooks gets one more, he joins Faldo, Mickelson, Trevino at six. Mm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to know because for so long Rory was the guy that was kind of mm-hmm. the best player of this generation, active. I guess Phil's still active. Tiger's kind of active, but now Kepka's ahead of Rory. I wonder if that will get Rory it just focused again. Amazes me how he. It's like he flips a switch when he shows up at a major. Yeah. Kepka. Yeah. It's just, it's unbelievable. So you bring up an interesting point. This could be the best thing that ever happened to Rory. I wonder, yeah. Because this could push him. Mm-hmm. And he'd get focused on, and, and of course, this is what we started out talking about. Stop worrying about 
LIV versus PGA Tour, start worrying about yeah. your game and your place in history. See, Rory kind of took up the PGA Tour's sword mm-hmm. and was fighting it for him. All of a sudden, it's like, and I kind of sense that he walked away like I'm, I'm, I've forgotten about me and I'm mm-hmm. fighting for everybody else, and this is an individual sport. Yeah. And so now this could be the best thing that ever happened to Roy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Be interesting to watch. And he was he was up there on the in the tournament. He didn't have his mm-hmm. played his C game this week, maybe, and he was pretty close. So I'd yeah. love to see Rory and Kepka battle out yeah, over I think a few years. All yeah. that live and PGA tour stuff was wearing him out. But you know, you could tell after yeah. the Masters. You know. It's got. We talked about it at the podcast at the start of the year. It's like because he was still kind of he was still playing all right, and it was serving maybe as a distraction. But it, it must have just took its toll, yeah. wore him out. Um, they they said after the Masters he spent some time with Tiger, and he I wonder if, I wonder if Tiger spoke to him about it. He said hey, he's, yeah. you don't need to do this. Like just focus on you. Focus on yourself. Yeah. Tiger was always focused on yeah, Tiger. I'm exactly. telling you that right now, and that would have been his advice. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but no, it's going to make for an interesting few years. It's good to have Kepka back, uh, playing well in the majors. And a lot of the live guys play pretty decent. Yeah, yeah, Phil on Twitter was talking about that a little bit in Cam terms Smith, of like, yeah, they're not Bryson. they're not playing as much. Maybe they're able fresh. to be, f- yeah. So Bryson hadn't done anything, and he's all of a sudden you've heard of him uh, yeah. again. His yeah. name was up there on the leaderboard, and um, you know, good for him. I mean, I know yeah. what it's like to go through turbulent times in, in your game and wonder if you'll yeah. ever play good again. And uh, oh. he, uh, sorry, jump in there. He um, he went down that path of like speed, 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 uh, and it kind of took hold of everyone. Everyone started yeah. talking about it, and it's there was a few pros, PG Tour guys I spoke to at the time, and they were like, "It's just a fad. Like this will this will pass." And right enough, Bryson now is like, "Yeah, I just want to." Go lost back to how I played before all that. Lost some weight. Lost the weight. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. That's, I think he yeah. finally realized it's not sustainable. Well, like it's is, like you said, it's a fad, right? Yeah. So you can do that and chase that, but, but it doesn't last. Yeah. You can't you can't do that for ten years. Yeah. Fifteen years. You can do it for a year or two. Bryson would have ended up hurting himself. Yeah, if he yeah. would have stayed on. Well, that it's path. exactly I mean, what he did. Anybody, yeah, he got he, hurt. Yeah, he got hurt. But I mean, he realized it before he had major. Mm-hmm. Hurt. Yeah, and you know, but there again, that proves the point I'm talking. To. If he'd have talked to anybody that walked mm-hmm. that path, they just said, "You better not do this." Right. Yeah. And so, here's what's going on in the world. Everybody's trying to find a niche that nobody's ever gone down before because they're an influencer, because they think they're going to make somebody else follow them. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's not a healthy path. No, uh, I agree. Yeah, I think that's a great note to end on for today. Thanks, gents. Um, if you are on YouTube or if you want to check out some clips of Darmore, we've been posting them at the start of the podcast. Yeah, Darmore's going to be great. I just, yeah. I'm putting everything I got into it every day, and all the knowledge that I have in golf is going into that place. If you've ever been to Cypress Point, the clubhouse will remind you of Cypress Point. Uh, it's got a little bit of Augusta look to it, too, the Masters. Uh, 
it's going to be a very special place in the end. So we've assembled a, a team that is unparalleled. Already know who everybody's going to be. I'm really excited about this. So uh, I'm pro Darmor. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. Well, thanks very much, gents. Thanks yeah. for joining us today. And, uh, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, thanks. Nice to have you back on, Jimmy. Thank you. Um, maybe, I enjoyed it. Maybe get you back on in a couple of months' time, maybe. <laughs> if, I feel, if I feel like it, we'll see. He's too busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jimmy's too yeah. busy uh, improving a lot of golfers in here. So, again, thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll, uh, we'll see you next time.